Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Athletic Hockey Show here in 2022. It's Ian Mendes, Haley Salvian, in the leadoff spot, as always, for you. Uh, not only to kick off the week, but a new year as well. Our man Julian McKenzie is going to be with us, hanging out for the hour. We'll tee up the year ahead in hockey. Talk about some interesting storylines we're projecting in the next 12 months. We'll talk about some New Year's resolutions. Uh, that we might have in the hockey world, the Winter Classic, when to reschedule the World Juniors, Multiple Choice Madness. It's all going to be jam-packed into a very fun, action-packed hour here to kick off the new year as we say hello to uh, the two of you, Haley Salvian, Julian McKenzie. And you know what I just realized, gang? Haley's not going to like this. Uh, we all we all have the name Ian hidden in our names. Ugh. I just realized this as I was oh. looking at the rundown because it's Julian and Salvian and Ian, <laughs> I say it's the Ian podcast. Let's roll. Oh. <laughs> Ian's assemble. I didn't, I never realized this with his, Haley. His ego <laughs> grows stronger every yeah. moment. Oh, <laughs> exactly. no. Yeah. I, but listen, happy new year again. Must happy new year. <laughs> happy new year, dude. Happy new year, Haley. Oh. Uh, good to hang out with you guys. Happy to, you know, kick it for the next hour with you guys. Yeah. I apologize on behalf of Ian already. <laughs> yeah. We co-hosted a show. Uh how long ago was it? Like a couple weeks ago? That was that was very chaotic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we well, you've jumped it. You've been been a pinch hitter here a bunch of times and I know you're part of the Wednesday show quite a bit, but you know, I think for the for the purposes of the the Monday listeners here at the Athletic Hockey Show, I think Haley we need to let Julian kind of let the hockey world know uh how many podcasts he's a part of. Uh, what he's up to because this guy's got like 25 side hustles going at all times. Yeah. Uh, I uh, work, I work at the athletic as a, as associate editor on the NHL team. I assist with the Montreal Canadiens coverage with uh, Arpin Bassard and Marc-Antoine Gaudet. Uh, I uh, am the host of the Chris Johnston show with Chris Johnston, which you can also listen to on the athletic uh, and also the host of zone time with the Iowa sports and hockey inside out with the Montreal Gazette. It's not, 
nearly as many podcasts as a lot of people like to make it seem, but it's still like a lot, I guess. But uh, yeah, sometimes hang out on Wednesdays with uh, the THS crew, uh, English problem. Anyway, THS crew uh, with Sarah and uh, Jesse Granger as well, and sometimes Rob Pizzo. Uh, and uh, yeah, just like talking hockey, essentially. Can you do a power rankings of the athletic hockey show days? Right now. Oh, uh, oh no, that's ah oh, man. Uh, right, right now. Okay, so I <laughs> it's kind of tough to do some of the other days that I haven't been on, but right, right. I'll say that a close, like it's a tie between the Wednesday and the Monday crew because you guys are. I, I relate to you both on uh, some pretty personal levels, and uh, I've been on both shows, so I can't I can't put one above the other. But uh, Ian and Haley, you guys are definitely tied for first place. See, that's that's a smart so answer. Don't but like the Tuesday show. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, exactly. I, I have no I have no opinion on the Tuesday show. No opinion on Craig Custance and Sean Gentilly. Uh, I have I have this no opinion perfection. on either of those two. Uh, I've already I think I brought up Craig's name on a Wednesday show once talking about how uh, we need to talk about my contract status or something and I didn't hear anything about that. So I have no uh, opinion on Craig Custance. <laughs> And Sean Gentilly, who is just some dude. Great. Same. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In truth, Getting we love aside. those guys. Those guys, <laughs> we love those aside. guys. It, it is great. And it's great to be back. Uh, for another year of the Athletic Hockey Show, because we're kind of getting into the one-year anniversary of this. But as we look ahead, hey, I'm going to start this podcast with a fun little exercise. It's a little fill-in-the-blank here to, to start off the, the new year. Haley, I'm going to ask you to lead us off here, okay? Uh, as we're looking ahead to the year 2022, I want you to fill in the blank. So finish the sentence, Haley. The biggest hockey storyline of 2022 will be blank. What's it going to be? Hmm. Oh, gosh. I don't like leading off stuff. I I wonder, like, I thought maybe, like, the Olympians, uh, NHLers being back at the Olympics would be one, but obviously that's not happening. But maybe that is a big part, especially if you start seeing more players have the same vocal opinions as Brad Marchand. Is this season actually going to get completed as normal? Are we going to have a normal playoffs? Like, what's going to – I just feel like it's so hard to think of anything else other than – and maybe it's because we're in Canada. It's so crazy, like, you looked at – I think it was a game in Montreal, and there's, like, a couple maybe staff members in the stands, and then you look at the Winter Classic, and it's packed. Like, I just don't know how this, like, continuation of this kind of COVID situation isn't the biggest thing we're dealing with right now. It's not the fun answer. No. But it's kind of the thing that's taking everything over right now. Julian, same same question over to you. I want you to put on your – or look into your athletic hockey show, Crystal Ball, and tell me what's the biggest storyline of 2022 in the hockey world. Yeah, COVID is, is definitely near the top of that one. But to be different from Haley, maybe I'm projecting a little bit further in the future and just focusing on actual on-ice storylines – I think we're going to have a long – here's the thing. Close second probably will be the Shane Wright extravaganza and then the Connor Bedard extravaganza. I have a weird feeling we're going to be talking a lot more about Connor McDavid's legacy this year. I think the Edmonton Oilers – I know they're they're not going through a good run of play as of late. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, what, what additions they need to add at the deadline. 
Is their team even good enough to beat the Flames in a seven-game series? Which the answer to that right now doesn't seem as if it's a yes. I think no. the Flames would actually beat – yeah, the Flames are going to beat the Oilers in a seven-game series if we get it because they're built for the playoffs more than the Oilers are. And I think as we see year in, year out, the Oilers continue to you know, not make a deep run in the playoffs and continue to play through uh, Connor McDavid entering his best years and not seeing any tangible success – I think more and more people are going to start to kind of drive up that conversation and drive up his legacy a little bit. I think that might end up being the biggest thing only because we know how incredible Connor McDavid is as a player. We know what he's able to do on the ice and we've seen other guys with his talent level, whether anywhere close, they eventually got on to win, but I think that pressure is going to be a little bit, a little bit hotter on it. That's, that's my guess. Does the future of the Arizona Coyotes get on the radar for either of you. Because remember, there's there's a lot of uncertainty there. Doesn't look like they're going to be allowed to play in Glendale next season. Uh, they could be this sort of nomadic team. Does that does that get on the radar for either of you saying, you know what, one of the most significant storylines in hockey in 2022 is we potentially have an NHL team that doesn't have a home, you know, six or nine months from now. If they move, that's what it would do for me. If they move to Houston, if they move to a Canadian market, if they move somewhere else, then yeah. If they're still trying to make it work in Arizona, I'm sorry. I'm not going to care about it nearly as much as COVID, what Canadian teams are going to be doing, especially what's going on in Montreal right now, which that's also a candidate for story of the year. Who's the GM for the Montreal Canadiens going to be in in the structure that they have? That could also be a candidate considering everything they've gone through. Um, Yeah, unless the Arizona Coyotes move – and it could be, again, Houston. It could be a Canadian market. If it goes to a Canadian market, then everyone's going to lose their mind. Uh, yeah, if they're just being nomadic, it's not going to move the needle for me nearly as much. Yeah, I think we've heard um, so many different – there's been so many different steps over the years with, with the Coyote story. This kind of feels like another one. And it like we've talked about this before, Ian. Like, it's unfortunate. I remember we had Katie Strang on, and, and she was like, you know, there's good people out there. Like, there's there's good fans out there. Like, hockey could work. And she feels bad for the fan base of, of people in Arizona in that area who who just want hockey. And I forget who was talking to me about this. It was just like, you know, Austin Matthews could have been playing like baseball or golf or something if he hadn't have seen hockey in the desert, right? So, like, it's important, I think, in, in terms of growing the game to, to make it work out there. But so, if it, like Julian said, if it's just another year of what it's been, then I don't know. Um, the fact that they're getting like kicked out of their building is a big story. Um, so where are they going to play? How is that going to work out? Is going to be a massive story. I just wonder if people are like, all right, something else is going on. It's like, how many times are people going to actually get excited about the idea of Lebrett and Flatsian? Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, both of us are in, uh, in, in markets where there's uh, certainly a lot of uncertainty with arena stuff. So that in Calgary and on Ottawa and, uh, and certainly in Arizona too, there's a lot of uh, arena uncertainty. Julian brought up something really interesting, which is the Montreal Canadiens need a new general manager. Roberto Luongo's name has been thrown into the mix. I ask you this gang, if Roberto Luongo somehow ends up becoming the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, does he delete his Twitter account? Yes or no? I don't I want him to be uh, GM because I love his Twitter account. I know. I no. know. What do you want? Do you want Roberto to keep Withdraw his Twitter account? Withdraw your resume. Or do you want him yes. to be the GM of the Habs? Because I don't know that he can do both. I think he tweets in French and English from the Twitter account. <laughs> 
I think he starts being oh donated God, out by like the tweets. Sla- yeah, yeah like slash. two tweets or like the backslash. Like. Yeah. At the very least, like he'll do like one as like a joke or something. I I can't see him. I think like it'll be a situation where maybe like he he's not. Gonna, I don't know how often he tweets now, but like maybe like every now and then like he'll put out some tweet or something just to let everyone know that like the account is still alive. But yeah, good luck trying to be on Twitter every day in Montreal, the market that it is. Uh, as GM of the Montreal Canadiens with all the attention that's been on that. So I, I don't think it'll be a regular thing, but I'd, I'd like for him to just kind of sneak behind the curtain and do something every once in a while, if it happens. I think the funniest part about Roberto Luongo's Twitter account is like he isn't super active on Twitter. Like it's just every once in a while you'll yeah. get this like, oh, that rocks. Like that's that's really funny. You get this like random thing from Roberto Luongo every once in a while and it's pretty funny but i don't know if he could be saying the things that he does if he becomes general manager somewhere i mean no way has he been active while he was technically with like team canada yeah 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 for sure for sure he was active and he was he was tweeting out uh he had a couple during and and they're always like great photoshop things involving him and they're all look it's it's great it's fun i just don't think if he ends up being the general manager of the canadians i just don't think he can kind of keep that going, right? Like with, with that franchise, it's like a historic franchise, right? Like maybe if you were the general manager of the Kraken or the Vegas, like some upstart team, maybe you could have some fun with it. I don't know that that market, well, Julian, you would know you're in that market. Would they be okay with the fact that their general manager is having fun? The irony being Mark Bergevin is one of the great pranksters of all time, but he really dialed it back, right? When he was the GM in the Habs, he was this, you know, very button-down guy that seemed to be bursting out of his suit, but he never he never was playing jokes or anything like that, was he? Yeah. It, I also think the being more... the GM of the Habs warmed down. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Julian, go ahead. It, it, no, you're absolutely right. Like, that last year, that 2021 for Mark Bergevin, going through the offseason entering January, we got all those players, the media availabilities, the way they just looked, like – I say this all the time. He looked like a man who was stressed and knew that he had to make this year work. You can't tell me. Look at him in 2012 compared to 2021. Like, remember when we were looking at Barack Obama between the start of his presidency and the end of it? Like, it was kind of similar in that sense. Like, it definitely wore him down. Also, the more we talk about this Roberto Luongo Twitter account, the more I'm inclined to believe now after thinking about this a little more through the interview process. I'm sure you guys have heard stories about this before where like someone's Twitter account kind of gets them in trouble and they can't get that job. Maybe that's what ends up happening with Roberto Luongo. Maybe it's not the reason why he doesn't get the job, but maybe it's because, nah, man, this guy's just too much of a personality online. This isn't what we want. That's a fair, it's a, it's a fair point for sure. You know, one other storyline that I think is really important to, to hit on here of things we're looking forward to in 2022, I would say the return of Carey Price into the into the uh, the crease of the Montreal Canadiens will be one of those stories uh, that I think transcends hockey, right? Like what what and at some point you know that Carey Price will likely open up to somebody and and kind of tell his story. That's going to be a powerful night, uh, and you know, fingers crossed. There's fans there to welcome him back, but I would say uh, Haley and and Julian. The return of Carey Price is something that I think hockey fans are probably really looking forward to and circling on their calendar here in 2022. Yeah. Uh, I think with Carey Price and what he's meant to the city of Montreal and its fan base, if they find themselves in a position where they're able to welcome him back and and whether it's even at half uh, of the attendance at the Bell Center, 
you're going to probably get the loudest ovation in the building all year. And in spite of the crappy year that they've had, they've had moments where they've been overjoyed with like Matt Chaparro scoring a hat trick against the Detroit Red Wings, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury uh, winning 500 games uh, in his home province. Everyone got up for that. But I think the Canadians faithful, if they're allowed in the Bell Center at that point, they will provide a lengthy ovation for a goaltender who has meant so much to the fan base, to the team. The better part of over 15 years, 16 years with this organization. So, yeah, I, yeah, that would definitely be a big story. Not to mention the fact that this would be the second guy they've had away from their team coming back. They had Jonathan Drouet, who started off the year after taking some time away for anxiety issues and insomnia. And he's having himself a, a somewhat decent season at least and tried to at least have some fans off his back. Uh, but Carey Price, that's somebody who a lot of fans, there are some fans who who still who, who are still in their feelings from the whole Halak thing. But there are a lot of fans who love Carey Price, obviously. So that would obviously be a big storyline. Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. So I think when you look at the potential stories that could happen in 2022, Haley, one that really, I think if this happens, if this comes to pass, I think this is the biggest story of the year. And that would be Tampa Bay winning a third consecutive Stanley Cup. I Like to me, if Tampa mm. Bay wins a third Stanley Cup, Haley, I'm going to say the Lightning are in the conversation as the greatest dynasty in hockey history. When you think about the salary cap, and I know they didn't win five in a row. You can already see a noted Habs fan, Julian McKenzie, furrowing his brow. Not even a Habs fan. Not even a Habs fan. Don't put that (laughs) on me. That's just, but like, come on. That's that's really big. That's really big. It's the greatest dynasty in hockey history if Tampa wins a third consecutive cup. I think Haley, like, and look, when you factor in the salary cap era and parity and COVID and all of the factors that go into how difficult it is to win, that they could win three in a row? Come on. that To me, that's the greatest dynasty. The Oilers in the 80s never won three in a row. Mario's Penguins never won three in a row. And they didn't have a salary cap dragging them down. And to me, this would be the greatest dynasty in hockey history. But that's well, you got to take this one first, man. You got to take this one first. I got to think about this. I think that that's probably like too snap of a judgment. I think it's really easy to try to make that decision in the third year of a team potentially winning something. 
you know? I, and I just... Okay, I na- I just name don't... me a better dynasty then in hockey. Oh, both of you. <laughs> name me a better... I'm very passionate about this. More impressive dynasty in hockey than if Tampa wins three straight Stanley Cups. It's still I think the Canadians what's impressive. wins they won. Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. I think what's impressive about what Tampa's done is... And I mean, this is putting the cart before the horse. Like, it's January. <laughs> They've lost, yes. like, three straight. And we're talking about they're about to win a third Stanley Cup. That's why I'm saying, like, it's a little hard to have this conversation now when we're not even close to the playoffs. But I think what Tampa's done that's been really impressive is the ways in which they've built their team to win these Stanley Cups. Like, you look at the people, and and I think we've talked about this before, like, they don't just do a good job drafting and developing their players. Like, look at a lot of the pieces that are major, like, pieces for their Stanley Cup winning roster. Those are are drafted and developed, quote-unquote, homegrown within the organization talents. That's impressive. That's always a really important piece of the pie. Um, but they also do a really good job scouting and, and signing players. Look how many people looked at the Barkley Goudreau trade and was like, they're giving up what for who? And then they like got Blake Coleman. And then all of a sudden they, they put that line together and it's like, well, holy shit, this is like one of the best lines in hockey right now in terms of helping you win back-to-back Stanley Cups. So I think, and then obviously you have an incredible goaltender. You have Stamkos. They have so many pieces and a good coach. Um, you can make the argument over like who built the foundation of that team. Um, was it the current GM or the former? Um, so I, I just don't know. I think it's an interesting conversation. I just think it's way too early to do it. Like if we're looking at in the the window right now of what they've actually won back-to-back Stanley Cups, are you more impressed by the Pittsburgh Penguins doing it or the Tampa Bay Lightning? Are you more impressed by the Detroit Red Wings a couple of years ago before they started rebuilding? Are you more impressed by that team? The Penguins, Tampa Bay, you look even further back to Montreal. Like I just don't know if we can say right now this is the greatest dynasty ever especially when you consider last year was a really weird year. Everyone's going to bring up the cheating. They didn't cheat. The ch- every, cheating. Every, I know, I'm kidding. Every, so I, I, know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know. I know, here's the thing. I get so annoyed about- I don't think they about, cheated either, but- I know, for sure. I know, you, I know, you know what? I know both of you don't think they cheated because I know both of y'all have sense. But the problem is with the Tampa Bay Lightning <laughs> is that because they found they're so good, they're built so strong- everyone just assumes that, oh, they found a way to stash all this money on LTIR. They're surely cheating, knowing that every team has the opportunity to do that if they so choose, and have also found ways to do similar things to skirt under the salary cap. And I'm going to say this again, like I've said it before, if the Toronto Maple Leafs did this exact thing, nobody would be saying they would be cheating. I said that specific market because I know damn well people would be like, oh, well, that's just how it is. You have to put this player on LTIR. People would do this very differently depending on which team it would be. Also, to your point, Ian, about the Tampa Bay Lightning, I have a photo in front of me from my time covering the Stanley Cup final, the beginning of game three of the Stanley Cup, the starting lineup. There's Barkley Goodrow, there's Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman is there, I think David Savard's on the ice, Mikhail Sergachev. Only one of those Tampa Bay Lightning players are still with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they're still a very good team. They're an excellent squad. I think already... The fact that they were able to build the team that they have, stay under the salary cap as good as they can, play through a pandemic. They won in a bubble, and they're go- they went through 2021 the way that they did. 
in my eyes, they're already the best team in the salary cap era to me. They're better than the Penguins. They're better than so many other teams. But they only have two Stanley Cups to their to their tally back to back in the salary cap era like this. So I think we can only. I mean, and and Haley has an excellent point. We're putting the cart before the horse here. They they need to win some Stanley. They need to win this year before we right. can even think about them having the best. Uh, a dynasty. There are some people who might even make the argument the Chicago Blackhawks still have a better dynasty than the Tampa Bay Lightning. Remember, they got three cups, including one against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, yeah, uh, let's let's slow our roll here before we say they're the best dynasty in hockey history. I, I think you're just trying to start a fire, my man. No, 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 no. And and my my whole point was. As we look, the whole point of this segment was let's look ahead to some potential big stories of the year, right? If, right. and you're, I, you're, and you're ready to crown okay, a dynasty on a team that's all the time. Yeah, but my okay. So here and again, listen to my words. If no, I said if <laughs> I didn't say when. I said if. Okay. Right. I don't if know. You Tam- you sound so, like you ready to say when, not if. No. <laughs> Answer then. Riddle me this. Sure. If Tampa Bay wins the Stanley Cup this year, you name me a more impressive dynasty in hockey history. What is it? What's more impressive and why? It's the late 70s for the Canadians. They kept winning every year. Here's the thing. We can't discount the fact that, like, for example, five is more than three. Like, it's still cool to win more than two or three cups in a row. And if you're able to do it of a certain length, like, that's still impressive. Like, like, just because the Miami Heat won back-to-back championships with LeBron James and the big three that they had doesn't mean that I'm going to find a way to say they're better than the Boston Celtics. Like, let's let's calm down. Just because the Lakers had those three beats. do you know how to count to five? Yeah. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Okay. You know what? You guys are right. Winning winning five straight Stanley Cups in a six-team league when all of your players, like Jean okay. Bellavo, is handed right. to you. You're right. Here you know what? Go. You're right. You're right. You guys, are, you guys are totally Here right. Here we go. Five straight Cups in a six-team league? Yeah. You're right. I, I yeah. apologize. I was just to trying to make fun of Ian. This I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what it is? You know what it is? When you're, when you're a guy a like Ian Men. When you're a guy like Ian Mendez, here's the thing. I don't have a dog in this fight either. So the fact that you're saying a noted Habs fan, like, I don't have a dog in this fight. Like, I just, I'm just trying to look at history. But you know what it is? When you're a guy like Ian Mendez and you're in a market like Ottawa, as long as you have, that has not really seen all that much winning, I can understand why you get a little crazy. I get Whoa. it. I get it. He and went that's no there. Shade to say, that's he no shade to Sanders fans. There are some of the best fans in the NHL when, and I understand the attendance sometimes in the market where where the, where the arena is, sometimes it doesn't reflect that. But some Sens fans are some of the best fans we have in the National Hockey League. They've put together some of the better teams we've seen, more fun teams we've seen in the 21st century. Look at some of the players who are doing really well in other teams. The Ottawa Senators found a way to cultivate them. But man, like he... he you're just not around that winning. I get it. I understand. It happens. You get a little loopy sometimes, but yeah, it's okay. Hey, I'm 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 I never I've I've never seen a team in my lifetime from my market with a Stanley Cup. You know, so I, I get it too. But I, at least I know what's happened. Wow. And that this was the last time you ever hear from Julian McKenzie on the Monday yeah. show. Pretty much. <laughs> what happened to the? E- the Ian, the Ian show. We all had it in our names, and now we've just it's, we've all divided. We've all. Uh, we've I don't all think okay. Ian has ever yelled at me in the year and a half we've been doing this show. So, Julian, congratulations. Exactly. Okay, you know what we need though. Moving you know, on. Okay, here's next here, segment. Next yeah, segment. Yeah, okay, here's what we need. <laughs> we need some New Year's resolutions, gang. 
in the hockey world. Let, let's reunite here. Let's find some commonality amongst the three of us. And I'm going to start with this. What if we all resolve as hockey fans, and we got to get the NHL on board with this, but they got to start listing the standings based on points percentage. New Year's resolution, gang. We start listing the standings based on points percentage rather than points because that's the more accurate reflection of, of where teams are at. Are you, are you on board with this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, like in a normal year when it's just an 82 game season, whatever, like, sure, look at it by points because the discrepancy in games played, it can get bigger, but it, it's never more than like five unless something unforeseen happens. But right now, like it's been driving me kind of crazy in this market right now with the flames. Like, when they were coming back from their uh, shutdown, people were like, oh, look at how great Vegas has been playing. The Flames are five points back. I'm like, Vegas has six more games. <laughs> no. What are you doing? <laughs> no. Of course they have more points. <laughs> they have played way more. And they have yes. won like three of them, two of them. You know, look at points percentage and the Flames are the best points percentage in the Pacific Division still, even when they were shut down for two weeks. It's like, what are we... What are we doing? That is a much more accurate way to be looking at things. Anaheim Ducks have more points than the Calgary Flames. They got some They got some road to make up. No, they don't. No, they don't. You win one more game when you come back and, and you've got more points than them because you're five games behind them. It bothers me. And Dom got mad at you for this a couple of weeks ago too. Oh, and, whoa, for No, real? he didn't get mad. But I think we had this discussion a few weeks ago and, and we brought up like this team has the most points and Dom was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there. <laughs> stop going by points. Yeah. <laughs> but I agree. I, I think that points percentage is a more accurate barometer of where teams should be at in the standings um, than just total points. In a year like this, more specifically, I think. Yeah, uh, that was my that was the thing I was going to bring up because I think last year, uh, I think I remember Pierre Lebrun tweeting something along those lines. And I remember asking aloud on Twitter, like, is this something we should be doing? Like genuinely, like with the way that COVID is affecting games and schedules, like we, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but like, are we so sure that all these teams are going to be able to finish their seasons? It might be the legitimate or the best way to, you know, see how well a team is stacked up to anyone else. I'm all for it if it truly is the best way to see if a team is better or not. Uh, so yeah, I guess the NHL wake up, don't have everyone looking at points, look at points percentage. The AHL looks at points percentage. So why can't we do that in the NHL? Okay. Look, we've got, we're back all on the same page now. We're all unanimous. Let's move towards points percentage to, uh, to look at the standings. Okay. Next item I want to throw at you. Okay. Uh, New Year's resolution for all teams in the NHL, because this is the perfect time to do it because the pandemic has sort of, um, you know, moved, we've moved towards uh, social distancing and some different things. We got to end kiss cams. I say. We haven't the, already? I No, they're still around. The odd one is still around. I say, are you on board with this? We end the kiss cam at NHL games in all 32 venues. on Because uh, I think I'm done with it. I think it makes it impossible to go to a game with your sibling. It's awkward. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, I say New Year's resolution, we ban the kiss cam. Every, also, every, have you every ever week. awkwardly been put on the kiss cam? Yeah. 
Has that happened to you? You sound like you're speaking from no, experience. No, <laughs> Did you go to a game with your sister? No, I. it has not happened to me. It has not happened to me. I'm just saying. Can you imagine? The awkwardness. Yeah. The awkwardness. You see it sometimes where the guy's just like, that's my sister. Yeah. And then the whole crowd laughs and laughs. Yeah. And then they find another unsuspecting, unsuspecting couple to put on there. Yeah, I, 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 oh man, I, I think it's still funny when it's like two people. I mean, whether they're siblings or just two people who are just platonic and they're just kind of sitting there awkwardly, like, uh, so are we gonna have to do this now? Also, the biggest argument for eliminating kiss cams, if people are supposed to be sitting there with their masks on, I guess that kind of kills that, right? Oh, can pe the kiss with the mask on? Oh, my. I see that's people do that. Oh. I'm like, is that supposed to be cute? I was so angry. Cute, cute at all. pandemic thing? Stop it. Just wait till you get home. Damn. Anyways. Actually, we should also lump public proposals in there, I guess, maybe, right? Uh. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Those yeah. are just uncomfortable. Unless you're doing something creative and different, don't. Don't. Don't propose during the kiss cam or like on the jumbotron or whatever. The one that I thought was like kind of cute and super fun, and I forget which basketball team it was, but they like it was one of the cheer. It was one of the dancers, and they played the Bruno Mars song instead of the actual song, and like everyone yeah. else starts doing a completely different dance, and this dancer is just like trying to mimic them because she's like, I don't know what dance this is. Oh my god. Oh no. And then all of a sudden, her fiance comes out and proposes. It was really cute. I was like, you know what? That's a good one. But just like, will you marry me? And then the girl like runs away, you know? Imagine your your girlfriend runs away from you in the middle of a packed <laughs> building. And you're just sitting there with your knee on the sticky ass ground, popcorn and everything. No. And everyone's we just gotta, like, oh, sorry, man. We got to leave those public proposals in a whole other different <laughs> century because yeah. – because nothing is more embarrassing than you plotting this amazing proposal uh, at some big venue, and then your girl or your partner just looks at you, and they're just like, uh, uh, no. There was like some story I came across a couple years ago where uh, – I think it was like a Yankees game where uh, a couple, they were just, like, hanging out there, and then, like, one guy got up to propose to his girl, and he dropped the ring, and, like, everyone yeah. in the section was, like, looking for it. And I think Inside mm. Edition followed up with the couple. Like, they, they eventually found the ring, and he proposed, and she said yes. But I think it was Inside Edition who found the couple, like, years later, and then they were talking about how, like, no. the relationship just, like, deteriorated, and, like, how, like, one person's all like, nah, this person, like, person I was, I thought that was going to be with this person for life, they ended up being a completely different person. That's a whole other thing you have to discuss, too. The notoriety that comes from doing those things, if your relationship falls apart and you have to deal with that, I don't know about that. Can't That's deal not with the fame. No, absolutely not. <laughs> you know what? You bring up an interesting point. Look, we all know like the divorce rates on the average marriage is like 50%, right? Like whatever divorce. it is. Divorce. Right? Isn't that what it is? Ballpark 50%? Something like that, yeah. Okay. Jesus. What what do you think Jesus. the divorce What do you think the divorce rate is on marriages that start with like a public stunt proposal? I'm thinking oh 80%. God. I think it's on the pods. It's like competing with the same level as for like contestants on the Bachelor Bachelorette. I yeah, think it's at the I same so. ballpark. 80%. I think so. 
Oh man. Like I, I would look, if I'm blessed to have a partner in this life and be with them for the rest of my life, I would love to be in a position where I could have the most low key thing. I mean, obviously it's still nice, but I don't need no big stadium showy thing. Make it nice, make it personable, make it like amazing, but like I don't need to so show my affection that way. I don't know. That's that's how I see it. Like I don't need to I don't need to take my girl to some game and then have everyone on the Jumbotron be like, Will you you will you take me as you know your part? I don't know how. Will this you shit marry goes. me? Will you marry yeah. me? Yeah. See, I don't even know how to do that. That's why. Oh my Jesus, God. dude. Jesus, Jesus. It started off so well, and you're like, "Will you? Will you? Will you?" Ian's face right now is just like, "What is happening?" I'm sorry, man. Oh, you're bringing man. a really fresh energy this yeah. Monday. Ah, we love it, and I'm we're sick too. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, but it, look, it's it's uh, the vibes are good in 2022. We'll get back to the podcast in a second, but first, a word from our friends at Grammarly. And look, we are professional writers by trade, so we know that communication is the key. And maybe you're not a professional writer, but Grammarly can make you more confident in your writing and make you a little bit more efficient and help you work day-to-day at your job. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can have that bigger impact at your place of work. Think about this. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. That's a pretty good stat. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and your context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions tailor-made for you. Their tone suggestions, they'll even help you navigate even through the most difficult conversations at work. You can save time with one click, go from editing drafts in hours to seconds. Talking about stats, 93% of professionals using Grammarly Premium report that it helps them get more work done. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. One more thing. We've said, potentially, we've said goodbye to the Kiss Cam. We've said goodbye to 
uh, maybe in-stadium, in-arena proposals. Do either of you have a strong feeling on whether or not it's time to say goodbye to the wave? Like, do you care? I don't really care, but I see some people are really angry when they're like, it's time to get rid of the wave. I don't really care, okay. to be honest with you. Like, I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other, but some people seem really adamant that it's time to stamp out the wave from sporting events. And I want to know, should that be a New Year's resolution? Get rid of the wave. Okay, so earlier this year, it was in Calgary. I've, I think it was like a tie game against Dallas. I don't remember exactly who it was against. Maybe it wasn't tied. I don't know. But anyways, basically, the fans in the Saddle Dome start doing the wave. And I was about to tweet like, oh, no, they're doing the wave. And then before I could send tweet, they got scored against and like lost the game. And then so then everyone's like, not the wave, like the wave claims another victim, like not again. So it just sometimes it feels like the wave, like do people try to do it as like a rally cap situation? It's like, let's do the wave. Let's turn the tides, go team. And then like nothing good happens. My problem with the wave is it looks a little weird and like you're not really cheering while you're doing the wave. Like it's kind of noisy in there and there's like things happening. But like if you want to do something for the team you're cheering for, like why don't you just do like a go sends go or like a chant or something like do you think the players are looking and being like, well, there's a wave in the stands. I don't know, man. I don't know. (laughs) I I find people who make such a big deal about the wave being bad. I just think it's, I think we need to do a resolution to stop those people. Look, let fans. Yeah, let fans do what they want. Yeah. I mean, not not everything because I don't know if you guys remember last year at those NBA games when people start throwing stuff. That's where like, okay, we got to cool that down. So we can't have fans do everything. Let fans do their their fun, cute, innocent stuff. Yeah. That's fine. And I think the wave is a part of that. I have no problem with doing the wave. I have done the wave a few times in my life. Like, what's wrong with doing the wave? Whether your team's winning, your team's losing. You're just having a good time, you know? Like, look, when we get to a point where we're in Canada, we're allowed to be back in arenas. And whether it's NHL arenas, CFL CFL stadiums, anything like that, we should not be complaining about not being able to do the wave. That should be the last thing we should be doing perspective yeah i think we abolish um the drop pass on the power play leave that in 2021 please every fan that's a good point every fan base is convinced (laughs) that their team is the only one that stop doing the drop pass on the power play every (laughs) this is such a unique issue yeah it's only us it never works (laughs) and it never works 100 percent yeah. It's it's fine. It is just it is not the most effective way to enter the zone on the power play, okay? That's all I've got to say. If you only have one guy who can enter the zone on the power play and you're consistently dropping it back to them in the neutral zone, I get a little grumpy if a team gets a bunch of power plays and you see the same thing. Like I get it. I get it. I understand why fans get annoyed with that. If you can't enter the zone and you have like one way of doing it. But it's real it <laughs> I love that some fan bases think it's like a uniquely like this market. Like, why do we always do this? Everyone does. Man, yeah. It's a perspective thing, man. There are some I I've watched the Canadians for most of this year. There are times they couldn't even enter the zone at even strength. Like, jeez. Ooh. 
Yeah, it was bad. They have bad transition play. And and every fan base is also convinced that their team never scores on five-on-three power plays, right? We don't ever score on five-on-three. We can't score. And they're nobody also- Nobody ever con- has before. No, yeah, nobody has ever scored. And no one's ever e- done it. Every fan base is also convinced that if you're playing a team and a guy on the other team has never scored his first NHL goal, it's going to be against your team. Like, oh, we always give up. Just go ahead and book it. They're scoring their first goal against us. I have a question. As someone uh, who resides in Quebec, one thing I see a lot that happens is whenever the Canadians play against a team that is starting a uh, Quebecois goaltender, a lot of fans start to immediately assume, okay, they're playing at home. They're going to find a way to beat the Canadians. Is this something that happens for Ontarians and Albertans and other parts of, of Canada and other parts of the NHL landscape? Does that happen? Is that something people worry about? Yeah, like yesterday, the Flames were playing against Chicago and Marc-Andre Fleury was backing up um, because he just got out of COVID protocol. And Mm -hmm. I I forget um, the the guy's name, but it was like his first start or something or like his first role being a starter in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And there was a couple Flames fans on Twitter being like, well, well, we're going to get goalied by this kid we've never heard of before because it's happened before. Like, it's a thing. like I don't fault fan bases for that. I think being a fan is I don't know, it's it's I'm sure there's like a lot of fun in that. I there's probably just a lot of pain too in being a sports fan, especially when you feel like your team hasn't won anything in so long. Um so I don't want people to listen to this and think we're being like fans are so silly. Um we all appreciate you. Uh and we would all be doing the exact same things if we weren't. <laughs> 100%. Let's be honest, if we weren't writing about these teams professionally, I'm sure we would just be I would be as unhinged as some fans that I'm not even calling people unhinged. I'm unhinged. It's fine. No. Yeah. Let's stop burning jerseys. Let's stop doing okay, that. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Stop burning good- them. Stop throwing them on the ice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think if you're going to say stop burning jerseys, I think I agree with Julian. Throwing them on the ice is probably just. It's lame. I, it, it's one step below it, but it's. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's been played. I like the waffles in Toronto years ago. That was that was funny yeah, because it was just waffle. like the hell is somebody throwing an ego waffle on the ice? But anyway, that was I creative. Think throwing throwing things. Do you on guys the ice know should... how they bring in the catfishes? Catfish? No. <laughs> catfishes? I'd like to know. I'd like to it's know. Like the, it's like the squid in in Detroit, right? You just stuff it yeah. in your pants. Yeah. Okay, okay, so the squid, too. I was in Detroit earlier this year, and this show was off the rails, but whatever, it doesn't matter. It's not like anything's happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I was in Detroit earlier this year, and I was with Max Boltman, who does a great job covering the Red Wings, and Sean Shapiro, who does an okay job covering business. Just kidding. Wow. I my own joke. Wow. Um, Is this really what goes on every Monday? Damn, just throw it out sass? Yeah, pretty much. But usually it's just directed at Ian. Yeah, um, damn. <laughs> and anyways, I was like, how do people bring the squid in? And pe- like they said that people will like bare body, like on their stomach, they will saran wrap the squid to like their chest or their stomach and then put on like a shirt and then a sweater and then their jersey. And so you're going through security and you're just wearing a lot of layers. But there's like a squid on your bare body. Why is no one saying anything? See, I, I would wrap setting. myself. No, I, I, I would. 
I would wrap myself first. I would do a. I would wrap myself in Saran. Then I would put the squid on. Then I would do another layer of Saran. I don't think I would go squid on body directly, but that's just me. But then, Ian, that's too much Saran wrap. How are you going to get the squid to throw it? Then you're going to be like, oh my god, unsaraning for a while. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. So there's no way that like people in Detroit don't like this because the very first thing that would set me off that somebody's bringing in a squid is the smell. This must smell, right? Like you must be going yeah. to having all these people enter the arena and be like, damn, somebody smells like a fish. You, it's you. <laughs> you are the man who's going to bring in an octopus in here. How is that not a dead rigger for anything? That's how I know that's not a problem for these arenas when they do that sort of stuff or whether it's like a natural, the catfish or whatever. Like that, ha- it's I something that people are just cool with. more upsetting than the squid. I don't know why, but there's something about the catfish that I'm like, I don't like it. The squid is probably slimy and gross too, but something about the catfish, it's got those little things. You just have like on your know. body, it's just like tickling you as you like know. walk something through Something about arena. a dead fish on your body. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Too doing hard. any of that. Why would you do? <laughs> Here's the thing. If you want to do it, because just in the spirit of what we were saying earlier, the cute fun stuff that fans do, if that's what you want to yeah. do, that's what you should do. But Saran wrap that squid to your body. Do it. Yeah. It's Wear an fun. air freshener if you have to. And maybe go with a frozen. I love it. Fans are great. Yeah. Fans are awesome. We love you guys. Yeah. We love yeah. you very, Except very Except for the ones much. that yell at me about nothing. Oh, you have fans who yell at you about nothing? Oh, man. <laughs> Just kidding. That's okay. We love you guys. Thank you. <laughs> I, I want to hit on this. This Speaking of fans, there was uh, about 60,000, 70,000, whatever, right? Packed in to watch... Uh, the outdoor game on uh, on the weekend at, at Target Field. Actually, it was a little less than that. But um, I want to talk about that game a little bit from from a couple of perspectives. First of all, were you surprised? Like in the past, they've often given the outdoor game. The Winter Classic has been given its own canvas, meaning it's it's the only game in its time slot, and it's this year felt different. Like it was going head to head with the Toronto Maple Leafs nationally televised game in Canada. It wasn't even on the main network here. Um, it, it seemed a little odd to me, at least north of the border, that it wasn't given its own canvas. Did that strike either of you as odd? Like, like should they have? Should they be doing a better? I know it sounds silly to say. Should they be promoting the Winter Classic more? But I feel like they, there's a more effective way to do it, and and giving it its own time slot would be the way to go. But that's just like, me. I just personally, for me, I was having this exact debate with CJ on uh, the Chris Johnston show, which you can check out on the F5. But yeah, I I just, it doesn't make sense to me that you have this event, which has been dressed up to be the marquee event to start off the new year, and you have it at the exact same time as a Leafs-Senators game. Yes, a battle of Ontario, fierce battles, but also in this particular instance, so many guys on COVID protocol, and no one's in the, barely anyone's in the arena to really check it out. Uh, and, and yeah, thank you for bringing up that excellent point. You have to go on like Sportsnet One in Canada to watch the Winter Classic. Like I, I thought it was a little weird, and I think it should be an event that has its own uh, slot just away from everything else. I understand that weather plays a role in this too. This is a game that we were we're used to seeing play in the middle of the day. They probably tried to avoid any issues by having it on the night. But the problem with that is if you're going to have other NHL games on. That's going to take away from it, is it not? Not only that, considering what else is happening in 
in the United States. It's college bowl season. I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't watching Leafs and Senators at the same time as the Winter Classic. I was watching the Rose Bowl, and the Rose Bowl was, I mean, that was one of the best Rose Bowls we've ever seen. That was an amazing game. But yeah, like that's a problem that the NHL is going to have to deal with. And I'm pretty sure they've already had to fend that off in in previous years with how the college football season goes about its year. I don't think they need to put themselves in any position where they need to be competing with, you know, a sugar bowl, an orange bowl, a rose bowl or anything like that. And I know I'm going off with a different sport, but the Winter Classic should be heralded as this big event. And maybe they need to change around some of the teams, too, to also help that. But I, I didn't like the idea of it kind of going head-to-head with so many other NHL games and so many other premier sporting events in the sporting calendar. Yeah, I don't know if I really remember, like, when I was, before I started working, and, like, I've said this before, like, I was a pretty big Penguins fan when I was younger, and I remember, and maybe it was just because I was a fan of the team and I was younger, and, you know, they've got their retros, and it's, like, one some of the first few times they're doing the Winter Classic. Like, I would remember you watch the HBO series because it's, like, wow, like this incredible look that we never really get to see, um, that 24-7 series. And then, you know, that's the really – I don't remember ever watching anything else but the Winter Classic on New Year's Day when I was, yeah. you know, still watching games. Like, you watch – um, that first one that the pe- the Penguins, I think it was, the first one was in Buffalo. Yeah, that's where Crosby Sabres won in the shootout. Crosby won in the shootout. They're wearing those baby blues again. Yeah. Like, it's a great jersey. Like, it's snowing. Crosby's the star. Like, that was a great winter classic. And it was the first one, so there's a little bit of that to it. But, like, even the next couple then, I think Penguins Caps had one. That was really good. Yeah. Um, I just D- – Detroit, I re- Chicago. I remember yeah. – Detroit, Chicago was great. Like, I I remember that was always, like, the one thing that I watched. And I don't know if that was just because I was, like, a very, like, a big hockey fan. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do on New Year's Day. Or if, like, there's just been a shift. Maybe it's because there's it's been going on for so long. And, and maybe it's because of the teams that are happening. I also think the marketing and the scheduling of it is is a thing. And, and again, I, I wish we could go back and look at the schedule in, like, 2010, 2009. But... I don't remember there being other games on during the Winter Classic. Yeah. And I might be wrong, but there was like a full schedule. Yeah, exactly. And and usually, and those Winter Classic games like Sid and, and the Snow Globe game, those like are in the noon. afternoon. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. this one yeah. was a little bit different. I, I do want to uh, just point out, I, I don't know why I said six. It was 38,000 people in change that were at Target Field uh, to watch that game. Mm-hmm. So just under 40,000 people watched it. Did either of you, when you were either watching the game or the highlights, what did you think of that that plywood? Like it it was like it looked to me it looked like unfinished uh wood around the boards and then they they justified it by saying no we wanted to give it a real Minnesota feel like an outdoorsy feel. It 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 looked <laughs> odd to me and I don't know that it translated well to TV. Did either of you did that catch your eye the the kind of unfinished plywood along the boards? I didn't no. notice. Did Is that notice? a Minnesota okay. thing? Uh-huh. I didn't even notice. I, I don't know. It's, they try to make like a log cabin type of thing, I guess. I, uh, I don't the, know. The one thing I noticed um, that a lot of people did was during the second intermission, there was going to be this big announcement of the U.S. women's Olympic roster. And they talked over it the whole time. And for somebody like me who covers women's hockey, um, you look on the screen, you're like, okay, there's Brianna Decker, there's Amanda Kessel, there's your usual suspect, Maddie Rooney's back into the fold. Oh, there's Hannah Brandt. Because I cover the team, I watch them all the time. But like, 
How is somebody who's just getting into women's hockey going to look at that? There's no nameplates. There's no graphics. It's just like the commentators talking over these women waving. Like, how are they supposed to know who that is? Like, that is – and a lot of people were really mad about it online. A lot of people in women's hockey circles were really frustrated because it's like, this is your big announcement. Like, you're talking over it. You're not even going to let the PA announcer play over the broadcast. Like, they didn't name the roster on the broadcast. They they did an in, they did an interview segment with Jen Botterill, who is obviously a very decorated Olympian for Team Canada, and Jen's great, um, but they were interviewing her during it, and it was like, who's on the team? <laughs> and they put a graphic up after, and a lot of people were really frustrated about that. And I agree, like, that is not <laughs> – like, you, you've got to – at least name the roster. Let the PA guy go over this. Go over the broadcast. Like, hear who these women are. Um, get people excited. Talk about them. Get people excited about it. I find that was a really great thing. Um, I found during the World Championships is when you start doing stories on who the players are. People don't always know who they are, what their story is, where they played, and if you can give people backstory into who they are, it makes it more enjoyable for people who are just getting in to learn. If you can know that Sarah Fillier scored almost two points per game in her rookie season at Princeton and is going to be the next Marie-Philippe Poulin. You're going to be able to watch Sarah Fillier and be like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's totally true. You learn little nuggets and that's how you grow the game and get people into it. Doing an intermission, like doing an interview segment over top of it isn't. I will say though, um, broadcasting those Winter Classic games seem like a gong show. There are so many different elements that go into trying to do that kind of broadcast I think a lot of people were really, really mad at TNT. And it was like, I think we need to be careful here. <laughs> Did they try to broadcast it over? Like, was there an issue with the PA? Like, they're in the, it's minus like 25 degrees out there. <laughs> like, the timing's off. The tech is different. Like, broadcasting those games outside is not easy. So I, I, I thought it was unfortunate to see, but I also think we probably need to consider the circumstances of trying to broadcast a game in the middle of the winter in Minnesota when it's really cold. I don't know. Better than I could have ever put it. I was watching and waiting for that, and I know there was other people too who put that game on to watch that intermission to see who was going to represent their country on the biggest stage and try to win a back-to-back gold medals. Like That is very significant for people, and they didn't even get to hear the players' names. Uh, not great. Yeah. And, and to me, that, and maybe that's another great resolution for the hockey world is to, to, to put more effort from mainstream media and people like Julian and myself and, and men to really uh, figure out how do we help promote women's hockey and what, what do we do with our platforms? Right. And that's, um, I think that's a, that's a huge thing that we can all look forward to in, uh, in 2022, uh, as we're getting to the end of the show here, and this is just, these hour has flown by here. Uh, since we've been on, of course, the World Junior Hockey Championship got canceled in Edmonton and Red Deer. And, and I don't, I don't want to get into how could they let the bump. We're all tired of that talk. What I do want to talk about, and Corey Pronman had an article in uh, Monday's edition of, uh, or his uh, Monday article, talking about potential alternative dates for the World Junior Championships. Could they do it in the summer? Um, let me ask you this question. If you're, I want you to both put yourself in Shane Wright's skates for a moment, okay? Because he's the consensus number one pick. If they decide to push the IIHF World Junior Hockey Championships to June, just before, let's say it's just before the draft. If you're Shane Wright, 
Would you bother playing in that? Because like, what, like, I think of it, Julian, almost like, you know, NCAA players who at the end of their career, they're like, I'm not playing in that bowl game. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I kind of feel like if I'm Shane Wright, as much as an honor it would be to play for Canada, if it's June and I'm like two weeks before my draft and I know I'm going, what am I doing here? Ah, why risk the injury? So if I'm him, I say no. And then then you start to ask yourself, well, is it worth putting on a tournament in June if a number of prominent players go down that road? I don't even think it's worth personally just putting that tournament on at that point. I mean, it, it, I I look at the World Juniors, I think, from the standpoint as a big money-making event for TSN, for example, from a Canadian standpoint here. One big reason why they're able to make all that money, it's at a random point around Christmas time where a lot of people like to kind of settle down and just be with their families. It's a big money-making event, and people might not want to tune into their NHL team nearly as much compared to what it'll be like for the home stretch. So it's an easy way for them to get eyeballs. If they put this in June, like what are they going to do? Like put it after the Stanley Cup final when people are tapped out? Like I, I, I don't like that idea. And I think for the for the players involved, like if I'm Shane Wright, I'm secure in the bag. Like I'm not participating. I'm not messing myself up just so I could, you know – say I participated in some World Junior Hockey Championship. We know the pageantry of it. We know how big of a deal it is. But he has an opportunity to be drafted first overall and be healthy and try to contribute to an NHL franchise. Don't put him in a position where he suffers some big injury. And I get injuries happen. And I get it could still happen as he plays in the NHL. But it's a lot different when you find yourself injured with some injury. And again, not wishing injuries on anyone. But it's a lot different when you're injured playing for your NHL team after you sign the contract compared to just before. And could you imagine any player putting themselves in a position, especially if they're like a top 10 pick in the upcoming NHL draft, like, you know, putting themselves at risk playing in a tournament like that? It doesn't make sense to me. I also understand that there is the ELC as it is, and it's a bit standardized, but I, it doesn't make sense to me if I was Shane Wright to play in a tournament before uh I was supposed to be taken first overall in the NHL draft. I'd, I'd rather just skip that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, just in the world juniors in general, I think we have to kind of decide what is the underlying reason behind rescheduling. Is it because Hockey Canada and I like they want they need to make the money back to be able to host other events? Is like the IHF and Hockey Canada, is it a financial reason that they're going to reschedule? Is it for these players, for the good of the game, for the good for these players who won't get a chance to do it again? Is it for drafting and scouting? Um, Like I think, and depending on which road you go down, will kind of drive like when and if this gets rescheduled, right? Like if this is to make money, this is not, and we know it's important. We know the financial aspect is important. Like the World Juniors funds the World Juniors and the Men's World Championship helps fund other tournaments throughout the year. If that is the underlying like piece to this, then we're not going to see this tournament rescheduled like in a month from now because there's still not going to be full capacities. There's no way. If it's rescheduled in Alberta, for example, it's going to be 50% capacity with no concessions. You're not going to make money doing that. Um, so they're going to have to wait until a point in time where you can have a full building and you're probably going to want an NHL building. So are you going to be trying to host that in Calgary um, when the flames are potentially in the playoffs? Are you trying to host it in Edmonton when the Oilers are potentially in the playoffs? Like trying to reschedule this to a point in time 
in the hockey calendar when they're going to be able to have a full barn to make money is going to be quite difficult because you've got playoff schedules. It's the summer. Is there going to be burnout? Um, I thought that the Women's World Championships being in August actually kind of rocked. Like, I loved that. But in terms of the NHL, like, is the player going to get drafted and then play in the World Junior Championships? Probably probably not. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just – yeah. It's it's just – sorry, Julian. Like, um, it's just not, like, an easy answer. And if you're rescheduling it for the good of the players, well, then why didn't – you ha- you better reschedule the women's U18 for the good of the players. Like if you're all of a sudden saying like we've got to do this for them and it's not for money, well, you've got to do it for the other group too. But we know it's money, so we know that this probably isn't going to come to the summer when they can have a full building. But then like we just discussed, there's a bunch of other stuff with that. Isn't the Memorial Cup like around that time too? And I know I kind of brought yeah. up the fact that like I don't know if I want to play in a tournament before I'm supposed to get taken in the draft, but at least with the Memorial Cup, that's that's the team you've been drafted to play on. Like yeah. fine. It's not like college or anything like that. You're you're at yeah. least you know, that that's contributing at least to your to your to your time uh, to to make the NHL yeah. at least. Could you imagine being in a situation where you play a Memorial Cup, then a world junior hockey championship? Yeah. I man. And is there going to be a draft combine this year? Like, that's in the summer calendar, too. Like, Jeez. what's this summer going to look like? Do we need to see how high Shane Wright can jump? If he can hit that little that little thing when he jumps up and hits the... the who, I Maybe don't. we don't, but I, like, I think they still the interviews are an important part of that process, though. The, the like, interviews, for sure. Players sitting the down with the sure. teams, right? Yeah. Um, and just getting their fitness testing before they get to the NHL so you can get a baseline of – I know what you mean, Ian. Like when yeah. Sam Bennett couldn't do a pull-up, yeah. everyone's like <gasps> – It was a huge deal, yeah. Okay, gang, going to wrap up this show with a little multiple-choice madness to uh, kick off the new year, okay? A couple of questions here. We'll rip through them. We'll start with this. If the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup, are they the greatest dynasty of all – no, I'm joking. Okay, that, that one's not real. Okay, this one is real. We're talking outdoor games here. If the NHL, if I gave you carte blanche to do whatever you wanted with the outdoor game, and the NHL said you can go somewhere unique and different to host a Winter Classic, where would you like it to be staged? I'm going to give you a few options here. A, in the mountains, Lake Louise, Alberta. B, Central Park in New York City. C, what about a backdrop like uh, the White House in Washington on the lawn there or in the front lawn of Parliament Hill? What about D? You say, you know what? Screw the humidity. We're going to South Beach. We're going to give it a whirl in Florida. Or E, what if they just went somewhere overseas? I'm thinking like a Hyde Park in London. You try and figure out, can you get the Eiffel Tower as a backdrop? I'm going to give you choice to to go anywhere in the world to play one fun outdoor game. What are you picking? Julian. The first venue that comes to mind is Wembley in England. We we play some of the biggest football games games there now we're seeing nfl games there why not just make it nhl games there i would i think that would just be hilarious to see Haley, that's cool i'm going i'm going i'm obviously very biased the first time i went to banff like lake louise canmore the first time i went into the rocky mountains it was incredible like i've skated out there like i don't know if i've ever seen anything more beautiful and i don't know if it's possible i think logistically etc that's not going to be easy to put stands in lake louise or anything like that but if you could do a hockey game in the mountains a battle of alberta in lake louise or banff or something like like 
I'm there like every day of the week. It's going to be cold, but it's just incredible. So I'm biased, but I'm going, I'm going Rocky Mountains. Hey, they, they did it at uh, Lake Tahoe, right? Like they set up a venue there and uh, the sun was hot. The sun was the enemy. As uh, we all remember, yeah. Gary Bettman said, "You know what I would do? I would I would take this sucker overseas. I, like 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 Julian said, go find a spot. Do you, have you ever seen that picture? It's this random picture from the early 20th century. The Chicago White Sox went to play a game at the pyramids of Egypt. I think they played like the Giants. And it's like, are you serious? Yeah, oh it's like from 1910 or something like that. I love like I would love the NHL to go do that. Go find their their spot somewhere. Go do something totally different." And uh, and see what you know. See what comes of it. I, I love I, lo- I love the idea of a unique backdrop. Okay, one more multiple choice question here to wrap it up. As as the calendar flips to 2022, yes. I was just looking at some of the playoff matchups as they currently stand right now. Now I should point out I didn't do this based on points percentage, even though that was my New Year's vow. This is just based on the current NHL standings. Okay, so but these are all plausible matchups that could occur in the first round. I want to know, as it currently stands, which one of these, if you had to pick one, which would be the most interesting first round matchup in the Stanley Cup playoffs if it came to fruition later this year? Is it A, Florida against Toronto, B, Tampa against Pittsburgh, or C, Vegas and Edmonton? Haley, what would be out of those three matchups you'd be like, oh, wow. I'm not sure I can miss any of that series. What would it be for you? Um, I don't know. I was thinking you'd be going more for like a Tampa, Florida vibe or like Calgary, Edmonton vibe. It's <laughs> not. None of those it, were very good. It's not. It's not as it's cur- as it currently stands. Those aren't the matchups. Oh right, you're looking at the standings. Yeah, I'm um, looking at the standings. Tampa Pittsburgh would be interesting because the Penguins have lost in the first round the couple last couple of years. While Tampa is, you know, potentially going to be the next great dynasty against one of the current good dynasties. Can we say that about the Penguins? I don't know. Um, Florida Toronto would be great too because the Panthers have been really good and everyone yells about the Toronto Maple Leafs losing in the first round. So those two would probably be interesting. Vegas Edmonton would. I mean, Vegas would probably just win. So. Uh, I'm picking Vegas and Edmonton for one reason. Oh. Connor McDavid versus Jack Eichel. Oh, I forgot about Jack Eichel. Love it. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's that's easy for me. McDavid versus Eichel. One versus two. Who wins in a playoff series? Oh, that's a good one. It's a good thing it. you're here, Julian, because I yeah. forgot about his existence. <laughs> I sometimes forgot about him too. It only I only it only occurred to me like five seconds ago. Hey. I shouldn't admit that. As uh, as we wrap up the show, hey, you know what? Jack Eichel's return is certainly one of the stories to to monitor yeah. for for twenty twenty two. How did we forget? <laughs> it takes Julian. Can we re-record the, the top? Yeah, let's let's re-record the whole show and realize, uh, hey, Damn Jack it. Eichel coming back. All right, hey, we'll have Weird. to leave it there, uh, gang. Hope you had as much fun uh, listening to this as the three of us had putting this together, uh, because this was a ton of fun. Uh, the hour and a bit just flew by. Uh, Listen, we'll do this again uh, real soon and uh, have a great week, gang. Peace. Thanks. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this uh, first edition of the Athletic Hockey Show here in 2022. Uh, Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You know we certainly appreciate that. You can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus. Podcast, get all the bonus content from our entire network. You'll start with a 30 day free trial, and then it's just 99 cents a month after that. Right now, annual subscriptions to the Athletic 
for just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.